Thanks so much for listening. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to thank today's podcast sponsor, which is Coda Luna and their baby keepsake castle. I personally just put all of my baby's memorabilia into these little keepsake castle boxes and they are so adorable functional. And if you really love organization, then you're really going to love this keepsake box. So not only is it a keepsake box, but it also includes a baby book and it has space for capturing all of the milestones of your baby's early years. And then the keepsake box itself stores all of the memorabilia that you want to keep. So baby's first socks and pacifier and the little hat that they wore when they came home from the hospital. So this keepsake castle with the baby memory book is more than just an organizational product. It's a gateway to preserving the remarkable journey of new parenthood. So take a moment to visit keepsakecastle.com today and embark on creating a lasting legacy of love and nostalgia. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. In today's episode, I interview a fellow podcast host about her experience giving birth abroad. My guest is Rebecca Potts. She's an artist based in Los Angeles, and in addition to her work as an artist, she founded and hosts Teaching Artists Podcast. She coordinates the Teaching Artists Lounge, runs Play and Inspire Gallery, and she also is a K-12 curriculum designer for the Art of Education University. She lives in Hawthorne, California with her daughter and her husband. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yes, I'm excited to talk about this. I feel like I haven't really shared this story completely. Oh, I'm super excited to hear this. So before you share your story about giving birth abroad, would you tell us a little bit about you um, and your family? Sure. So I am an artist and educator based in now in Los Angeles with a six-year-old now, so one child. Um, yeah, and my husband and I have moved a lot. We, you know, lived in New York for a long time, almost ten years, and then moved to Prague, and were there for a few years. And now we've kind of landed in Los Angeles. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's start with the move to Prague. What prompted that? What was that like? And then please share with us about your experience giving birth abroad. Um, we got we were together for a long time and finally got married when I was, I guess, 31. And we had kind of decided by that time, okay, we're like we're together and we want to try to have kids. Um at that time, we were living in New York and just felt like it was not the place to have kids. It was going to be really hard to have kids in New York City. I know plenty of people do it, but we, you know, wanted more more space um, to be able to do that. So um, we started kind of I, the way I like to describe it is like throwing darts at the map, throwing like job applications, like anywhere in Europe. We were kind of just ready to to go somewhere far away and see what it was like. Um, and the first offer that he got was in Prague. So we were like, okay, here we go. Let's see what it's like. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Just decided to pick up and move. Sold a lot of stuff because moving across an ocean, <laughs> is, you can't take it all. Yeah. And so had you ever been to Prague before? 
We actually had not. We had been to lots of other places in Europe, but that was one that we hadn't been to. So we just sight unseen. We were like, we're moving to Prague. Let's, wow. let's see how it goes. Wow. And what was it like when you first moved there? Uh, I I actually broke my foot two weeks before we were supposed to move. So oh, no. we still moved, but I was... Um, in uh, like air cast and on crutches. Um, so we didn't get to do as much sort of sightseeing as we wanted to that first little bit. And I was kind of hobbling my way back and forth to the hospital to get my brake checked out. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it was beautiful nonetheless. Like we, it's just such a, it's like any European city, a very walkable city. So even um, the little apartment that we were staying at, I could crutch my way around like the block and there were gorgeous restaurants and just cobblestones and like this centuries old architecture that was just so beautiful. So, yeah. That is so cool. So then how soon after you moved, did you get pregnant with your daughter? Yeah. So I had, um, I had actually miscarried. We moved in June and I had miscarried in February, March. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. So that was, that was also part of what kind of made us take the, take the leap, take the risk that we were like, well, you know, what have we got to lose? What's going to happen? Um, and it definitely, it was very early miscarriage. Um, so physically it wasn't there, it was not very demanding. Um, but emotionally it really got me, um, and took a long time to kind of recover from that. Uh, so I had this expectation that like I would miscarry again, that it was going to be hard to get pregnant. Um, so we, as soon as my foot was healed enough, we kind of started trying and I pretty much immediately got pregnant and it stuck. Um, so that was the fall of like September, October of that year. I got pregnant um, and by week nine, I was actually hospitalized because I could not keep water down. Oh. I just, I was like throwing up all the time and just kind of wasn't eating enough sometimes to throw up, but like the water would come back up. I just, I couldn't like keep anything down at all and couldn't handle putting anything into my mouth. Um, and felt like there was no sort of end to it. It was just this all consuming 24 seven, like intense nausea that I was like, who said morning sickness was in the morning? What right. is this? Right. <laughs> this there were some lies here. Like nobody <laughs> told me that this was gonna happen. And in your case, you were diagnosed with hyperemesis gravidarum, right? I actually I don't know because we were in Prague. <laughs> um we went to the nearest hospital when that happened. It was, you know, kind of late at night. Um, and there was just sort of this like last straw, like I started throwing up and it, nothing was coming out. Water was coming out. I had lost a lot of weight at that point. And we just were like, we need to do something about this. So we just went to the nearest hospital, which was a very small hospital where not really anybody spoke English. Um, we managed through <laughs> Google translate on our phones to like, communicate what was happening and they 
eventually figured out like where to send us, sent us to like the maternity ward um, and started with ultrasounds, which was very reassuring that they said, you know, the baby's great. This baby's actually growing like crazy. And I was like, well, I'm not. (laughs) She's (laughs) sucking the life out of me. (laughs) Um, But it was very reassuring to know that like the baby was okay. Um, And then they hooked me up to IVs and I just had these sort of like typical Czech nurses, very sort of gruff um, women coming in and checking on me and like messing with the IV. Um, And then at some point a doctor came in with um, some English, but still not a lot. So I don't know if they actually, they might have diagnosed it, but I didn't understand really much of what was going on. Um, At that point, I also was just too sick to care. Like it was like, just make it stop. Exactly. Fix this. So how long did that go on? Was it the rest of your pregnancy? Uh, I was there in the hospital for four days and they, on I was on IV um, fluids, I think. And then they started giving me a medication called Toracan, which um, might be similar to some of the um, like Zofran, whatever is given here, um, like an anti-nausea med. And they sent me home with that. And I feel like that took the edge off a little bit. Um, But it's still like I still had just constant nausea. Um, It was maybe around week, a little after week 20. So like halfway through that, that really started to kind of subside and not be like as present. I feel like it was always a little bit there. But um, yeah, that must have been really hard and intense. Yeah. And I feel like part of it was also just being abroad. Like we had just moved. We didn't really know anybody there and didn't speak the language, didn't really like understand what was going on. Um, And we also didn't have like a lot of our friends back in the States didn't have kids yet. So there wasn't, you know, anybody I could talk to about what was happening and what this process was going to be like. So what was your experience like in the second half of your pregnancy? Uh, I, so around week 20, it started to subside, um, the nausea. And I actually went back, I had been starting to, right before getting pregnant, I had been starting to teach private art lessons um, and had told them, like, I can't teach any longer. Um, So I had taken time off, but then went back to teaching and, was actually teaching a few private lessons. So very easy schedule, like just a few lessons a week. Um, But to do that, that meant traveling around the city a bit. Um, And part of why I had stopped was that I couldn't stand being on the buses and the trams. Um, Yeah, (laughs) but that that shifted, like I was able to tolerate riding those and um, really enjoyed being able to teach again and um, starting to feel, you know, feel my baby kicking and all of the, I feel like the pretty, like the beautiful, like mommy blog idea of what pregnancy is. I got a little taste of that. Um, so yeah, that second half of pregnancy was much easier than the first half. Wow. And what was your birth experience like giving birth in Prague? Yeah. So I, um, 
we had ended up um, working with a an OB at this sort of more expensive like clinic for foreigners where everyone spoke English. And um, I guess we started there a little bit into the pregnancy um, when I had some of those complications and like couldn't figure out what, what was going on. Um, and she still like, I don't know that she ever diagnosed me with HG. Um, so I'm still not sure what that diagnosis like whether I actually was diagnosed, but listening to, there's a podcast I found that I don't remember the the name of, um, telling stories of um, people who were diagnosed. And I was like, yes, that's what it was like. Ah. Um, so I'm self, maybe self-diagnosing after the fact. <laughs> um, but working with that sort of um, clinic, they had classified me as a geriatric pregnancy, although I was 33 at the time. So I wasn't like 35 is the usual cutoff, I think. (laughs) But they had sent me for all the tests and, um, you know, all the different scans and everything. And then um, there's also in the city of Prague, there's um, several hospitals like within the city and then several that are like just outside on the outskirts of the city. and I had eventually found sort of this like expat mom Facebook group, (laughs) which was very, very helpful. Um, And they would share information about like which hospitals are the best ones. How do you get into the hospitals? Uh, Because there you have to register by a certain date. Like it's by a certain week of your pregnancy, you have to register with the hospital and then you have to go to whichever hospital you're registered with on a like monthly and then weekly basis as you lead up to birth. Um, So we actually did a few hospital tours um, to try to see what they were like. And I had been like thinking, okay, I'm, this is something women have done for thousands of years. Like this is something I can do. It's, I'm going to be able to do, you know, with no medication, no interventions, um, We had talked about when we were still in New York, even doing like a home birth. um, And in Prague, home birth is actually officially illegal, um, which is kind of wild. But um, I I did know friends there who did it anyway. (laughs) Um, But we ended up finding a doula who... Um, spoke English, but was Czech. So she almost became more of like our translator. Like she was there as a support, but also because we were, we had had that experience of like not knowing what's going on, not knowing what they're saying, what they're asking us to do. Well, that's great. So we, yeah, we, we decided like, this is worth, doesn't matter what it costs. Like this is worth it to just have this person kind of in our corner So working with her, we chose a hospital that was a little bit outside of the city and had a reputation for natural birth um, and for, and I don't know if that's the right term, like unmedicated birth, I feel like is, um, because all types are natural, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they had sort of this reputation of um, letting you be not a full water birth, but they had like birthing tubs for early labor and they had all the um, 
like they had balls in the actual birthing room and like a ladder on the wall and like ropes hanging, like all this stuff that you could use rather than the bed. Um, yeah. So we saw that and we were like, okay, this is, this is the place. Um, yeah. So we, we didn't have a car, but we decided um, for like the month of my due date about like, we kind of scheduled it for a few weeks before a few weeks after we rented a car um, and just had it like parked near our apartment. Um, Cause we're like, we're going to this hospital that's like a 30 minute drive away. We need to be able to drive. Cause there wasn't even, it was in a tiny town with no real like public transit way to get there. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, uh, the, the day that it happened, it was actually like labor started of course around like midnight middle of the night always <laughs> mm -hmm. very common uh so it, I, it started and I was like I think this might be it like I kind of knew um and started I think I had an app to track contractions um I think it was around two or three that they were getting more intense and we called the doula and um she said you know it sounds like it's time to go to the hospital um you know I'll meet you there uh so we drove there and kind of checked in and they said um you're not dilated enough, like go outside, walk around the block, um, which was actually a really beautiful experience, um, being able to just walk in sort of in nature. Like it was in this tiny town, there's like birds and trees and um, this old, very sort of Soviet era, like concrete hospital. <laughs> um, but we walked for a while and when it got more intense, went back in and you know, I got to labor in the water for a little while. Um, and I think the, like, looking back, I can think of it as this sort of, like, beautiful, almost idyllic experience. But um, in the in the moment, and I feel like I've heard this from other women, I, you know, felt like I was dying. I felt like this was, you know, I was screaming. My husband joked that I woke up the whole town because I was screaming so loud. <laughs> um <laughs> It was hard. I didn't. I didn't get any medication. Um, the pushing stage took a really long time. Um, it was like two hours of pushing, which was, I was told, was like kind of long, and ended up with some tearing. Um, there was an issue with getting the placenta out, um, which I had no idea. Like so many things you don't know that you then, in the process, you're like, oh, like that can be a problem like that's so yeah they they took the baby and they were you know again we're getting this sort of translated like your if your placenta doesn't come out in the next few minutes like we're gonna have to do this procedure um so then they're kind of coaching me to like push it push it out like you have to basically give birth again so then how was the recovery process how long were you in the hospital and then when did you go back to your apartment yeah they um they're pretty strict there about uh, staying in the hospital. I think they want you to stay for at least um, like two or three days. And we didn't want to. We were like, um, we just wanted to be home and comfortable. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, I had, um, I guess the other little thing, maybe not so little thing about that birthing process, like there was no medication for any of it including when they like stitched up the tear oh, which was oof <laughs> that was so painful 
Um, and I feel like some of it was, again, just like communication, um, not knowing everything that was happening. Um, and the doula, like there were midwives and our doula was there, but there was also, there were these restrictions about who could be there and how many people you're allowed to have with you. Um, yeah, but they, so they wanted us to stay longer than we did. We had to sign a bunch of paperwork, um, to be able to leave the next day. Like we, I think we stayed one night and, um, I also had a lot of trouble with breastfeeding, um, my baby wasn't latching and the midwives in the hospital were just like kind of grabbing me and like trying to shove it in her mouth and it wasn't working. And then they were like getting angry with me. Um, but still that language barrier. I'm like, I don't know what you're telling me to do. Yeah. You don't know what I'm saying. Like right. that it hurts. Like it's very, very painful. Um, yeah. So there was just a lot of that. Um, we also had an issue with her name where, <laughs> Usually they add Ova to the end of a girl's last name. Um, so we had a girl and we had to, like, we got her sort of check, like, birth papers and it had started to put Ova and we were like, no, that's not her name. Like, we're not check. So then we had to show our um, foreign passports and be like, yeah, this is her name. <laughs> Wow. Then they spelled it wrong. There's a G instead of, they had put a Q instead of the G. We just had to keep correcting the name um, as foreigners, which, you know, gave me a lot more sort of empathy for foreigners here in our country in the U.S., where it's like you have a name that's not familiar and people are going to mess it up repeatedly. Yeah. And that's an important part of your identity. Yeah. Wow. That's thank you for sharing your story and just being vulnerable and brave to talk about, you know, the good, the bad and everything in between the the challenging parts and talk about, you know, the fact that the language barrier impacted you and that it impacted your experience and kind of that feeling of like, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Um, I just, you know, I really appreciate you telling the story and I, I just find it very fascinating and, um, and in awe of your courage and your bravery to do this thing in a country that you are not familiar with. Um, so thank you. And if listeners are interested in listening to your podcast uh, and following you on social media, where can they find you in your podcast? Yeah. So I have a podcast that doesn't talk about my birth story at all, <laughs> um, but it's Teaching Artist Podcast. And you can find, you know, the website's just teachingartistpodcast.com. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, again, at Teaching Artist Podcast. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amanda. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you liked the episode and would like to hear more, please follow Finding Your Village wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, I have a brand new website that not only includes past podcast episodes, but also features the Birthing From Within birth preparation classes that I'm now teaching online. Please check out the site at www.findingyourvillage.com and feel free to connect with me via Instagram at Finding Your Village. Thank you so much and stay safe, healthy, and connected. <laughs>